All right, welcome into the latest edition of Hear That Podcast. Growling. It's a big one. It's one uh, we look forward to because it means we're in a game week finally. The season is actually here. It is our season preview edition of the podcast. Ah, it just feels so nice. And, and we, you know what? I promise after this, we're not going to talk about COVID the entire episode. We're just going to talk about football and like games and like matchups and important things in football. And that's it. And that's why I brought a special guest. On top of Jay being here, of course, as always, Mo Egger has joined us because when it's big, Mo shows up. <laughs> yeah. When, when you don't want to talk COVID, you bring me in. <laughs> although, well, I, although now I, there's a chance I could actually go to a game this year. So, how about that? I'm pretty excited about that That's possibility. Right. The, yeah, the the Jaguars game is the one that is set to have six thousand fans in now, as they allow that. The opener still no fans, and mm-hmm. then uh, the Thursday night game in Cleveland will have the six thousand fans on the other side of the state. So, some fans starting to get in. So you you know you want that. You want that potential disappointment and heartbreak in person, you know. It's like, don't, don't you wish you could be at some of these Reds games, you know, to really get that sad walk back to the car? Um, obviously, yesterday's Reds game was played in Pittsburgh, but yes, I I would have had a few things to say. Would have had a few, a few things I would have yelled out there. No, I I hope. Um, I'm greatly disappointed that I can't be there for Joe Burrow's professional debut on Sunday. That would have been awesome, but. I like going to Bengals games, so hopefully at some point uh, that could happen for more than just a few thousand people. Yeah. Uh, let's dive in. Well, later on, we will get to a little bit into, um, you know, the cut down to 53, which was, Jay, I mean, I think you, you missed one on the projected. I mean, it was really – we said this from the beginning. It was going to be as straightforward of a cut – as you really can get, because there's no chance for guys to really kind of come up, go down, create tough decisions. You kind of knew who your team was going to be coming in. The team was the team, and that proved to be the case outside of a trade. The Bengals traded uh, Austin Calitro, who we spent a lot of time at the end of last week talking about, um, for Christian Covington, who's a defensive tackle from Denver, played in Houston with DJ Reader, rotational piece, a guy they needed in the back of that room to kind of give you some snaps. Um, and you know, they keep Marcus Bailey and they, you know, they had kind of a little bit of extra at linebacker. Denver had a little bit extra defensive line. It's nice when you can make those two needs meet. Yeah, it was the kind of the perfect combination where you don't have a really deep roster and you didn't have the, the full off season ramp up for any undrafted guys to kind of bubble up and surprise you. So it, it was a a cut and dry 53, um, did think that, the the waiver claim they made uh, for putting Trey Waynes on IR would would have been a little more of a splash. There were some interesting guys that got waived around the league, um, but you know they they get the backup guard from Miami who undrafted last year, kind of didn't have an overall good grade from PFF, but improved as the season went on. And it's just another depth piece on the offensive line. Um, maybe we'll see him on special teams here and there, but I, if things go well, they won't need to rely on him much at all this year. Things are going poorly if Shaq Calhoun is starting games. I can tell you that much. <laughs> uh, but, you know, you're right. It's one that goes back to one of the things we talked about is, you know, it's going to go back to your college scouts evaluation. So if they had a good evaluation on him at one point, um, 
you know, coming out of school and they also liked some of what they saw of him last year, then he ends up on your radar and you pick him up. Thought Josh Rosen would have been an interesting call to bring him in. Um, he didn't have a ton of money left on his contract. You could have made an argument for, you know, just if you're in a year where you're going to be comfortable having more quarterbacks, which they've shown that they are, um, why not take a chance on developing that guy? You have the number one waiver claim. Um, they chose not to, you know, hey, more Ryan Finley affirmation, which is just you know, great. Josh Rosen went to Miami and all I heard for months and months and months and months is how the Miami Dolphins are this place where if you're a quarterback, you go and you thrive. And if you come to Cincinnati, you're you're doomed to fail. So I, I thought it was interesting that it didn't work out for Josh in South Florida. Yeah. I you know, it's very it he's an it why people I mean, we we don't know enough. Obviously, inside the league, I mean, no one picked him up. No one yeah. placed a claim on Rosen. So it's not like the Bengals were alone in that. Obviously, there's some interesting baggage there because, I mean, he, he from an outsider's perspective, you look at it and say, man, he hasn't really had a chance anywhere. He was on a, off in front of an awful Arizona D offensive line and, and just a bad season, and then never really did anything, had a chance to do anything last year. He was the guy who was a top 10 pick, basically. I mean, w what's going on there? But obviously something is, and he'll go sit and watch Tom Brady play for a year, I guess, and see what happens there, and hopefully the Bengals don't have to watch Ryan Finley play. Uh, let's <laughs> let's um, That'll be my luck. I'll finally be allowed to go to a game. And Ryan Finley will be behind center. Yeah. Well, will you be... still go? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. Yeah. Hard you pass. To, you don't want to see that. You've seen that oh. show. Seen yes, the movie. I don't have. need to go yes. back. Um, I want to let's. I have some things I want to run through. It's going to be a. There's going to be a series of run past our boots here at the end about this season, but I, I feel like. The way it sets up for the Bengals and my season prediction, I just posted up on the site. Um, and Mo, you know, we do our we do our hour together every Tuesday uh, from three to four on on fifteen thirty. I'm sure we'll talk more about it tomorrow. I look forward to that. We do that every week. I'm excited about that. I'll even be joining you uh, on the Tony and Mo Football Show on the twenty first, which is the from, Monday from Twin Peaks in West from Twin Peaks. <laughs> yes, that's exciting. Uh, <laughs> well, I'll say this: um, I'm a, I'm I'm pumped to, to do that show because that will be a very eventful first week. When you go those those two games, you're gonna have you're gonna learn a lot about this team in this year in a point of you know five days or whatever it is, and we'll come back on that Monday and talk about it. So I'm looking forward to that. But to me, you look at this season and. I, I don't think there's a – and you could, we could be proven wrong. I mean, there's a lot of unknowns about this team. I don't – they don't look like a team that you're expecting to be in the hunt. Like, it's there's just – there's a lot of rebuilds still happening, rookie quarterback, a lot of new pieces, all that stuff. I don't think that's realistic. So, to me, the biggest question to ask when assessing this team will be – what does success and failure look like? And what are, where is that line that you would say this season is a failure and they need to reevaluate some things? And where is the line where you say success, even if it doesn't mean playoffs or a certain number of wins? Where is that for you guys, Jay? I'll start with you. Where, where is What constitutes the line between success and failure for the 2020 Bengals? Uh, I would say a a better second half than a first half. Just seeing some ascension as the year goes on, and some improvement, and and building some momentum for next year when when the window really opens on what you think can can be a return to the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Numerically, I went seven wins. 
you on the surface you say seven and nine is that's a losing season. How can you de- deem that successful? But when you're coming off a two win season, a five win improvement, no matter wh- whether you go from nine to fourteen or three to eight or two to seven, as it would be in this case, five wins is a significant improvement. So and and that's a what a game and a half over the Vegas line. So you're 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 topping what everyone expects you to do. I don't know if if Bengal fans would agree with that, but in my mind, that feels where the the line would be is if they can get to seven wins and have you know three of those be in the final five weeks of the season where you're you're kind of building and, and feeling good about things going into the off season. I think numerically the number for me is six. Um, that's a that's a two hundred percent improvement from last year, if my math is correct. Um, it's over the Vegas line. And if you win six games coming off the season they have, that that, that to me may, means they will have beaten a team or two that you would say, boy, they have no chance of beating. That certainly to me is an indicator of improvement. But less numerically, if I can answer the following three questions with the answer yes, I'm going to feel great about this season. Question number one, and I feel like I'm going to say yes to this, do they have their quarterback? Question number two, do they have their coach? Because I don't know. Um, I want to walk away from this season feeling like, you know what, coach and quarterback are settled. And then I feel like if I can answer those two questions, I should be able to answer the third question in the affirmative, and that's, can they make the playoffs in 2021? I've said often that I want to feel at the end of this season the same way that I felt at the end of Carson Palmer's first year, where I had seen enough improvement. You know, if you remember those first three or four games, he was really uneven. And then before he got hurt, uh, those last three or four games, you could just look at the numbers. It's, it's uncanny, the, the statistical leap that he made. But I remember that season going, okay, next year they can hit the ground running. And I want to feel that way at the end of this season. I feel like if I can go, you know what, 2021, they can hit the ground running. They can contend for a division title. They can make, they should make the playoffs. I, I sort of feel like that's largely independent of a win total. You know, clearly if they finish something like three and 13, it's going to feel massively disappointing. But I sort of feel like if they're in that six to seven win range, which I think is attainable, we are going to feel really good about their chances in 2021 and we're going to feel really good about their chances in 2021 I feel like if if we if we if we feel with a great amount of certainty that they have their quarterback and and frankly uh, more uncertain right now whether or not they have their coach if we feel like they that Zach Taylor is the guy I think we're going to feel pretty good I would agree I mean I think you're exactly right but I would say for me if I'm putting a, a number on it it is looking at Joe Burrow's efficiency numbers over the final eight games, because that is a reflection on both coach and quarterback. Mm-hmm. I mean, Zach Taylor is going to be defined more by uh, how Joe Burrow plays than he is even wins probably on this team, because he's here to develop the star quarterback. That's what he is. That's what he was as a coach. It's why you hired him, and this is spo- setting up perfect for him, and if he can't do it, no one is going to blame Joe Burrow if Joe Burrow plays poorly. They're going to blame the coach. They're going to blame the system. Them, and if that's going to be probably a rightful place to place blame. So to me, I look at what are the final eight games? What does the second half of Joe Burrow's season look like? Is he and do we plug him in as, you know, one of the better quarterbacks in the league over that span? Uh, I think that is going to be a 
a line of success and failure. And then, uh, you know, they, I mean, they've got, they've got to get, you've got to get the six wins. I agree with you. I mean, you have, you, you come back and you have a three and 13 or a four and 12 mm. after last year and all the money they put into the team. You know, we talk a lot of this down the street right now. You put a bunch of money into the team and they still lose. You, you, you just have a lot more questions than maybe you thought you did. I mean, they, this is their chance to have their guys. They've got it. They still have to win some games. I will say if Joe Burrow plays well, and then I have another thing on this. Their last four games uh, will come against Dallas, Pittsburgh on Monday Night Football, both of those, and three of these four are at home, at Houston and Baltimore. You could argue, and I would argue pretty with confidently, all four of those will be playoff teams. That is going to be a definitive run for if this team is has accomplished their goal. They need to win a couple of those games. They need to they need to be able to assuming health of Burrow, really. Um they need to be able to beat those teams and prove that they can beat playoff teams and be at that level by that point in the season. It's a great run to have to have those types of tests in the position that they're in as measuring sticks for where they still need to, you know, fix things going into next year and where they're really at as far as maybe being close. Um I think if we're talking about wins and losses, I look at those as the ones where I'm saying win those. Win some of those. And I I will really care about the outcome. The rest of it is all about Burrow's progress, I think. Yeah, I, I don't know if I would Say Houston is a, a sure thing for, as a playoff team, um, but you're right. Those those that, that last month of December is really important, and especially the Pittsburgh game. We talked about it last year. Where what was it, Week Four, when they played at Pittsburgh in Monday night, and how Zach could <laughs> basically get a a statue built for him if they could go into that game and win that game. You know, kind of exercise the Pittsburgh demon and the primetime demon, and they lay an egg and twenty seven to three. So this is, you know, this this will be way down the road as we know what Joe Burrow's becoming, but that I think that is one of the more significant games on the the schedule just because of the the team and the setting. They they have a primetime game in week two, but it's on the road in Cleveland. Everything's still fresh and new. I think that Pittsburgh game, that'll be really telling. If they can if they can finally beat the Steelers in PBS and do it on primetime, that's that's a huge step toward building momentum for twenty twenty one, even though it is just one game. Yeah, the whole new day thing revolves around things that uh we we hopefully see moving forward that we didn't see for years and years and years and years a primetime win against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Are you kidding me? And potentially, you know, hindering their playoff chances would be – I can't think of anything that would, you know, catapult fans um, into a really rosy-looking uh, offseason than, than doing something like that. But, yeah, I – it's funny because for months, understandably so, we've talked about the first four games. You know, we always seem to sort of break the season into – quarters and you know to me looming on the horizon has been that last quartet of games where you go okay those could be against playoff teams one of them's going to be on a big main stage against uh, against Pittsburgh and I, 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 what 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 sort of shape this team is in um, how capable they are I mean if it, I, I'm I think the thing that stood out to me last year about the Bengals more than anything and I think this sort of lends me to believe that that maybe they have their coaches I never saw a team quit. I saw a team play hard, all that sort of stuff. We've, we've talked about all that. If this season um, mathematically has the Bengals not in the hunt over those last four games and they're still motivated to play spoiler, 
they're still playing hard. They're still playing with a purpose. They're still, you know, all those sort of grade schooly hokey sort of things that we saw from this team last year. If we see them and they manifest, uh, they, they turn out to, to, you know, crank out wins. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how you wouldn't uh, walk away from the season, um, you know, happy with the direction for the, for the future. All right, let's take a quick break. I want to remind you that fantasy football draft season is upon us. And due to quarantine, it's very possible that you might have Zeke's haircut in your pants. That's why our partners at Manscaped have partnered with us to make sure you don't gamble on shaving the same way you like to gamble on football. That means you get some of Manscaped's good and safe products like the Lawnmower 3.0. It's the best hygiene tool for the modern man. Because of their ceramic blade and skin-safe technology, your nicks and snags will be reduced. You don't want those. They have forever changed the grooming game with their Perfect Package 3.0, which comes with the new and improved lawnmower, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag for you to use when you're done quarantining some other liquid formulations like the Crop Preserver, the Crop Reviver. The Crop Preserver is an anti-shaving ball deodorant. You all need those. You need it. Uh, get 20% off free shipping with the code theathletic20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with, and free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code theathletic20. Time to boost your hygiene with the absolute besties with Manscaped. On the other side of things, you know, you have to answer why are things going wrong if they do go wrong if you are facing that. And, and you talked about coach. And I, I want to I wanna dive into this because we've been so – burrow focused and understandably like he's the exciting new piece and all of that stuff but i the thing that we i don't think we have talked enough about is where are we at with this coaching staff right now and in the confidence that they can get this done i'll say this so what's what is one word that you would use to describe your feelings toward the coaching staff entering the season i mean where where do you stand with that, Jay? I will say precipice. They are Ooh. they are right oh. there. They're looking oh, out over the the oh. glory of all that can be a magnificent run with Joe Burrow and and this this youngish roster and but one wrong step and it, it's 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 bad 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 news. It, it just feels like it, this can this season the the franchise can go one way or the other or not necessarily the franchise but the the futures of this coaching staff because like you guys said if it's if it's 3 and 13 4 and 12 again this year then some really hard questions have to be answered and and you could see them you know possibly moving on from this coaching staff that quickly if it if they don't show really good improvement so it it just feels like everything is right there for them they've gotten to where they need to be and, and now they just they, they can't make a false step. What do you think, Mo? I, I jotted down the word ticking mm-hmm. as, as in the clock is ticking. Um, you, you know, I, I, I sort of feel like because <laughs> Marvin Lewis was here for 16 years that when the Bengals replaced him, we sort of assumed this is going to be the head coach for the next decade or something like that. And maybe he is. And if he is, he will have had some success. But for my money, I, you know, I remember sort of positioning this when they hired Zach Taylor, really when they were going through the, the, the coaching search process. All right, this is going to be the Bengals head coach 
whenever the Bengals have a different quarterback. Now, we didn't know who it was going to be. We didn't know how they were going to get that quarterback. We didn't know what the transition from Dalton to whoever that quarterback was going to be like. But to me, that's, that's why you hired Zach Taylor. And you, you didn't hire him to usher in this new era with a new quarterback thinking he's going to get five or six years for his plan to unfold. It's more like two. Now, if like a lot of people, I discount last year and go, okay, yeah, no chance. They weren't going to succeed. Their failures were not on him last year for a young coach, first time in the NFL, hopefully provided valuable learning experience. But the, the clock is starting now. And if over the next two years, you know, you're not seeing the sort of, of win-loss totals we're looking for and you're not seeing the, the improvement this season and you, and you see a team, you know, now we start to, to judge Zach by all the things we used to beat Marvin up for play calling and clock management and game management and roster decisions and personnel usage and you know all this stuff that last year just felt irrelevant it was absent from the conversation it didn't matter now it does and so for me as a fan you know over these next two seasons if the idea is to win while you have Joe Burrow under a rookie contract for four to five years of, of team control I'm, I'm not if it doesn't happen over the first half of that run I'm not going to proceed with the same coaching staff. I'm not going to proceed with the same head coach by any stretch. And so to me, the, the, the clock is ticking. I need to, again, I need to feel by the end of this year, okay, you know what? They've got some stuff they've got to figure out with the roster, but they've got their head coach. For the most part, they've got their coaching staff. Right now, I don't know. But if by the end of this season, I still don't know, I think that's problematic. I'm with you. I, I see this as two-year run for Zach Taylor to prove that he's the guy. I think that's this year, next year, you know, you've had three years to build your roster and create your team last year. You know, what was this offseason about? We found out what we had. So rip that up. Well, okay, they spent a bunch of money and gave you the guys you want. You now have your quarterback. You have your guys. You have your second year in the offense. You, you know, kept majority of your staff together. This is now on you and pandemic or not like this there are no excuses and at some point maybe you'll get maybe it'll buy you a couple of losses early in the season but beyond that there's really not many excuses you've got to know how to deal with this stuff so my word is uncertain because i just don't know like we last year was such a train wreck you you're right you couldn't judge whether he's a good coach or not like you just couldn't because it was so awful um and there were so many other reasons why so to me you know i think it's it this is his year to prove that he can coach and that means in game it means week to week no more of the growing distraction garbage that engulfed the season last year that's on the coach too big time and so you know we can't have more Cordy Glens. you can't have more lingering AJ Green situations you can't have all that stuff people will rip Marvin and Lord knows we have on this show and every out time I've had a microphone in front of my face but I'll tell you this <laughs> Marvin Lewis was great at never letting that garbage keep going or get out he yeah. you know his ship kind of ran along and and he put out a, he was good at putting out fires uh that people didn't even know about um and and last year we saw a lot of people know about a lot of fires and they kept going and what will it look like around here this year when things are supposed to be a little bit more under control I, 
he's got to prove himself. It's on him, and th- you're right. This year is a massive year for him to prove himself too. And and I just think we'll, you know, we'll probably learn more about him this year than we maybe even will about Joe Burrow. Um, and that and that might be more important. I felt bad for Zach last year. I mean, we're just getting to know the guy, and then his first first round pick gets hurt. And then the A.J. Green stuff happens <clears throat> and, uh, you know, the injury. And, and that obviously, you know, just it got us to a place where it was the story of the season. And that, that certainly couldn't have helped Zach Taylor. I, I just I remember back in January going, OK, they're going to take Joe Burrow. Is there any shred of possibility that he is going to make life difficult for the Bengals by, you know, not wanting to play here? All that stuff that we just spent way too much time on in, in January and February that ended up not being a problem the AJ Green franchise tag thing. Um, you guys are, are there every day. Um, it, it, it seems to have, have, have that, that situation seems to at least be temporarily resolved where it's not going to be a problem. Who knows if the team stinks this year, if, if AJ's toe is going to start bothering him or something, but we've, we've reached a resolution there. The Joe Mixon thing got done. Um, and then they spent, you know, more money in free agency than I ever thought the Bengals would spend in my lifetime. It, it you know, again, the pandemic and the way the whole offseason was thrown out of whack, every team's dealing with that. But it, it strikes me as a picture of serenity this offseason. There's been no controversies. There's been no holdouts. Uh, you know, the Trey Wayne's injury obviously is a factor, but there's been no like franchise altering injury so all of that stuff seemingly got scraped off the plate, and now it's we, we judge you by wins, losses, how this team plays, how they respond to you, how they bounce back from adversity. Um, you know, simple stuff that, you know, for, for, for years and years and years and years, all we did was hammer Marvin Lewis for how he did during replay challenges and whether or not they went for it on fourth down and stuff like that. And now, stuff that we didn't talk about at all last year, that stuff comes very clearly into focus, and I, I need to feel good about it by the end of the season before I can feel anything strongly about Zach Taylor. Yeah, quiet so far, but there's still 16 weeks left for things to crop up. You just know how this franchise goes. Uh, I don't think it's going to be smooth sailing all year, but Zach did do a, a, I mean, the other thing, it wasn't totally unexpected, but you know, you're starting left guard and Clint Bowling retires right before training camp and the the Cordy Glenn thing. It's just, it was one thing after another and then COVID, um, but with the COVID, at least as is, is much of a challenge as that has been, it's it's a level playing field. Every team's dealing with it. But yeah, there's there's going to be injuries this year. There's there's probably going to be, you know, another some sort of thing, unforeseen thing crop up that he has to deal with. Um, but the good thing is he he got practice dealing with that stuff. He, you you can't expect him to to have been. Marvin level on on putting out fires in his first year. I don't know if if Marvin. I wasn't around for Marvin's first year. I don't know if if he had any incidents like that uh, that that he kept under wraps. But for well, Zach, guys to get arrested. That, I know that. Yeah, that, that is true. <laughs> That's hard to keep well, under mean, wraps. You can't put that out very very easily. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> But, you know, but yeah, I, there, I mean, it, for him to get that out of the way early, it stunk last year for him and for the team, but it, it was great practice. I mean, that's what, that's what learning on the fly is all about. And, you know, sometimes it's better to, to get all that adversity out of the way early. I, I alluded to it before, and I know there's fans who don't want to hear it. I know it's hokey, but I think back to two games last season, the Jets game where they finally win and, and, and how, how happy Zach's players seemed for him. 
I'm sure it was a huge relief for the team collectively, but you know, those, those players really seem to be happy for Zach Taylor. And then the Miami game, the first time in my life I've actively rooted against the Bengals and I got guys crawling off the field. I have a team that, you know, comes back from down 15 points and it made me mad because I wanted them to lose. But again, I think that's, for for all of the good things you could say about Marvin, and at some point, I guess maybe we should stop talking about Marvin. But you know, there were times over those last couple of seasons. I think back to the the, the Vikings game that year, where or that that day where it came out that he was not going to come back, and then he did come back, and that team mailed it in. And uh, the Bears game in I think seventeen, uh, which they had a lot of injuries, but late in the year where they just packed it in, and that didn't always happen. You know, they famously won that Baltimore game on New Year's Eve, which which uh, bumped them from the postseason. But there were a handful of times over those last couple of years where I thought that this team has maybe not entirely quit on Marvin, but he's not getting everybody's best effort. I never felt that way. I always felt like that team, whatever the message was from Zach during the week, they were responding with at least effort on Sundays. And if if we're still clinging to that late this season, that's a problem. But I do think, just watching it from afar, that that tells me that there is there is something that is successfully being conveyed by the coaching staff to the players that he is getting them to not quit, that he is getting their full effort. That to me is encouraging. Uh, so you know, people can take that for what it's worth. But for me, that was that was encouraging. And I thought he had a, a great off season. I mean, you mentioned all the things. I mean. There, those were all hurdles and influ- you know, influences that he had, whether we're talking about convincing the front office to spend on free agency, understanding the need to change perception and make people believe that they're headed in the right direction. And, you know, managing the Joe Burrow thing is was part of this. I mean, whether that ever actually was going to come to fruition or not, I think he was proactive on it. And, you know, had a good relationship that he built with Joe and Joe's family and his agent and stuff from the very, very, very beginning. That is that was critical to setting a foundation of making sure nothing ever did come up that could that people were trying to drum up. Never let him listen to Carson Palmer or listen to anybody else that was saying negative stuff about the Bengals that was everywhere at that time. Um, And so that that all of that together and now having a team that's like seems to be kind of unified and tweeting about how they're proud to be a Bengal and all that stuff is just, it may seem uh, trite for other franchises, but it's a big deal when you were two and 14 and you've been kind of a joke of a franchise for a while. And, and I think that there is genuine belief that something real is happening here. Partially that's because of the quarterback. Partially that's because of everything else that we've talked about. And Zach Taylor's been an influence behind that. I think he's established a little bit that he can navigate an off season and make some good things happen with a lot of time. We just don't know if he's going to be a good coach. And to me, that's about watching these games and seeing if he's a good in-game coach and, and we'll, we'll see what happens. I think that's a, an underlying really fascinating aspect of this season that I just don't think many people um, have been talking about. All right, we're going to take a quick break and return with the rest of the show. I take a quick break. Uh, talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like I lost my mojo. We've waited all together with excuses. Like I had a long day at work. Or sorry, honey, not feeling it. Or Bengals got me down. Uh, but with Roman, it's easy to talk about it with a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, 
safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you get free online evaluation, ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you on the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you for free with two-day shipping. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com slash here today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's GetRoman.com slash here, H-E-A-R, here. We'll do a little run, pass, or boot action here for you. We like to do run, pass, or boots around here. So let's, let's, let's pull a few out. Let's do this one. Run, pass, or boot, uh, most likely to take the needed leap this season. They've got a bunch of these guys on this team. I picked three out in particular for us to debate and choose between. Most likely to take the needed leap this season, Michael Jordan, Jermaine Pratt, or William Jackson the third. Jay, what do you got? Uh, I'm going to run with Will. It, it seems like we're already starting to see that. It's it's hard you know, to judge training camp if but just the way he has tracked balls and, and got his hands on balls and it, it it looks like he's so much more improved than last year and you you throw in the the fact of the the contract year that just makes it feel like he's set up for a really big year and he's got the he's got the best pedigree of any of those guys you know Michael Jordan fourth round pick Jermaine Pratt a third round pick Will Will Jackson was a first round pick had a great Lost his rookie year, but then had a great first year in the league, and he hasn't been able to duplicate that. And it just feels like he's not ready to give up on himself. No one else is ready to give up on him. This feels like his comeback year to to really make that big leap and and get back to where he was in 2017. Um, I'm going to pass on Mike Jordan. Um, I just I don't know if uh, I'm booting Jermaine Pratt just because I I don't think he has the pieces around him to make be that big of a difference maker on defense. Whereas Michael Jordan has Jonah Williams on one side of him and Trey Hopkins on the other. He's in a solid position. He's, he looks really good. Um, he, he makes Jonah Williams look like a normal sized human being. When you see those two standing next to each other, um, he, he was still really, he is still really young, but he was really young as a rookie. He's just kind of growing and maturing into his body. And I just, I don't think he's going to take as big a leap as Will, but I do think we're going to see improvement from him, and we might see improvement from Jermaine Pratt. But I just—it's going to be really hard for him to 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 be considered taking a leap when I just don't feel like he has the the pieces around him to to stand out and make big splash plays on that defense. Yeah, you know everything Jay you just said. I would go run with William Jackson the third because I've seen him have the kind of season that would would lead me to believe that he's capable of being a star and granted it happened a while ago 2017 but you know back during that season I think a lot of us were convinced that by now this guy would be an upper echelon corner in the NFL and it's still there and he has the carrot dangling in front of him of of a you know a huge contract whether it's it's from the Bengals or or from someone else so I, I, I kind of feel like, I mean, there's there's first-round p- pedigree, there's a, a, a limited track record, but still a track record of success. I, I passed on Michael Jordan because <clears throat> I, I don't know. I mean, t- to me, one of the more interesting things about this season this year is, you know, what, what, what players on this year's offensive line are we going to be comfortable moving forward with in 2021? I'm guessing 
you know, Jonah Williams is going to be on that list of guys that we're comfortable uh, moving forward with. My guess is Trey Hopkins as well. My guess is the right side of the offensive line we're going to want them to fix. And then to me, the wild card in the whole thing is Michael Jordan at left guard. Um, Jermaine Pratt, it, it, it's, it, the pieces around him just aren't there. Um, I've complained about Bengals linebackers seemingly, seemingly my entire life, and my guess is I'm going to do that this season. Um, there's certainly more speed. There's certainly more youth. There certainly was attention being paid to that position in the draft. I just don't know that Jermaine is going to be able to, you know, improve, yes, make a leap. Um, I don't see that. Michael Jordan I could see making a leap because, you know, maybe Jonah Williams is fine and maybe Trey Hopkins is fine and, and maybe Michael Jordan, year or two in the NFL, takes a major step forward or maybe not. Um, William Jackson III, I feel like will in large part because I, you know, if you look at some of the advanced pro football focus stuff, he really can't play any worse. So uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go run William past uh, Mike Jordan and boot Jermaine Pratt. I have the same three, but I'll add this. I think Pratt is the most important of these three. And I mean, yeah, William Jackson becoming a star at corner would be huge. Uh, Michael Jordan solidifying that left side of the line would be good, but you mentioned the right side would still be bad. I I just feel like until they have one real linebacker, that defense is going to be a liability no matter what how many free agents you add. Like, and he's the only shot at it. Like that, those rookies are going to have rookie issues the same way Jermaine Pratt did last year. Neither none of that. There's, it's not Devin Bush and Devin White showing up in that room. It's it, it, it's Jermaine Pratt in year two is really what they're counting on, and teams will just annihilate them if they can't get competent play out of the linebacker room. And I I think while I have it as well as the boot, I I think it's the most important because. If that does happen, suddenly you can really start to believe in this defense, assuming some of their free agent signings pay off like they think they will. I mean, they are better at every level. I will agree with that. Um, Hard to be worse, but I I do believe that they will be better there. But really, the key to them getting there is linebackers, just a big question. And and unless Jermaine Pratt can do it, I don't see anybody else there that's going to do it. Um, Certainly not to the level that they need it. All right. On the flip side of this run passer boot, who is most likely to recapture their greatness for one season, one Renaissance season this year, AJ green, Gino Atkins or Carlos Dunlap. Jay. Um, I, I don't know if Carlos fell off enough to kind of be it, be in this recapture greatness category, but he he's the one I'm running with. We saw what he did in the second half last year, really was kind of invisible in the first half last year and then turned it on toward the end of the year. And, you know, at that age to be able to do that in the second half of a season that has gone totally South, I, I, I think he has more gas in the tank than Gino does. Um, I'm passing on Gino just because of the presence of DJ Reader. I, I think he can really open things up. I don't know if Gino on his own can can be the the difference maker that he's been in the past, but he's never had somebody of DJ Reader's caliber next to him. So that's going to be really interesting to see how how teams elect to to double team in there. I don't know if they can double team Gino as much as they have in the past. And I'm booting AJ just because it there's 
number one, he's, he's getting older and, and receivers outside of Larry Fitzgerald don't typically get better as they get older. And the, the injury history, there's just too many question marks there to, to bank on him to, to recapture greatness. And even if he does have a totally, completely healthy year, I don't know that we're going to see AJ Green numbers that, that we've seen from early in his career. I, I think he's going to, you know, struggle to even get to the thousand yard mark this year. So the, that's the order I'm going to go run with Carlos Dunlap, pass on Geno Atkins, and boot AJ Green. My order is almost the exact opposite. So <laughs> I, I ran Geno for, for, the, for the main reason that you just articulated. He's, he's never played with somebody the, the likes of DJ Reader, and then you could add to it with the history that Mike Daniels has had. So um, I, I sort of feel like just by, by, by virtue of playing with better teammates next to him, Geno is going to be able to recapture greatness. That verbiage, recapture greatness, is why I booted on Carlos Dunlap. Carlos Dunlap's been a very good player for, for a while. I don't know that I would ever go with great. I think Carlos Dunlap can achieve pretty goodness. I think Carlos Dunlap can be a, a productive member of this team. Um, I, I know he's a really good guy. I, I don't know that I could say that a dude who's had uh, eight sacks or fewer in seven of his 10 NFL seasons is ever going to recapture greatness. So to me, I got caught up in the verbiage. Um, <clears throat> that's not a knock on Carlos. Not everybody's a great player. He's been a very good Bengal franchise's all-time sack leader. I, I really do understand all that. But on uh, in a group that includes uh, Carl Lawson and Sam Hubbard and maybe not the deepest defensive line, but but some guys that, that I, I think could could be very productive – could Carlos Dunlap be a big reason why that group collectively is very, very good? Absolutely. Do I feel like we're going to look at Carlos's numbers by the end of the year and be overwhelmed by them? Probably not. I passed on A.J. Green because I don't know. How many games is he going to play? He's 32 years old. Uh, I haven't watched him play an NFL game, a full NFL game, since October of 2018. I certainly don't think that if he plays a full season, we're going to see you know vintage 2013 A.J. Green numbers, but um, would it, would it surprise me to, to see him still be very productive, still have some insanely good games, develop great chemistry with Joe Burrow, be the team's leading pass receiver, lead the team in touchdowns? That wouldn't surprise me. Would it surprise me if he played in two games? Uh, no, I mean, <laughs> that, that wouldn't either. So um, I'm going to pass on AJ. I'm going to run with Gino. I'm going to boot Carlos. So I like this. So we're each going to pick – someone different that we run with. I'm running with AJ. I, I I think again, and it's like the health thing is the, is all that you can really talk about with him is whether he's going to be healthy or not. But I, I think he has a chance. I think he can stay healthy. I really do. I think that we make a big deal. Oh, oh, you know, the, the, what happened last year and he's had multiple injuries, but you know, theoretically he's going to show up maybe not, 100% because of this hamstring thing, but it's it's a preseason soft tissue. We see guys go through this all the time, and then they have like three good games, and you forget it ever even happened to them in camp, and, and they can come out. And I think he can be fine. And I still think he is good enough and that he can be a, a – uh, have a true have a great season i i really do and, and i think with this, this offense and and the other pieces that are around he, he can still 
dominate. And and I don't think Gino can. I, I I think Gino has looked good in camp. I just I just cannot avoid four years of seeing the consistent appreciation of his production. I, I can't get past that. I just, I want to. I really do. I want to believe when people tell me that they see Gino still being that guy and this and the other. But I just it's four years. You just see it. Boom, 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 boom. It goes right down in every category you look at. Advanced analytic, basic sack, you know, pressures, whatever you want to, whatever you judge it on, it's gone down every year. And and I just don't think he can do it even if he has people with him. Maybe I'm proven wrong. For his sake, I hope I am. I, I just don't see it. So I, I ran with AJ. I pass on Carlos because, like Jay, you said, I mean, the second half of last season, I, I think he's still got um, the ability to do it if he wants to. Um, I, I just don't know if, if Gino can if he wants to, and I think that's probably the issue there. Um, let's let's go a quick look at run, pass, or boot on if they hit the over, so if things go well, let's run passer boot the reason why out of these three. Offensive line, Burrow's great, or the defense? Which of those three? And obviously some of these are tied together. Um, but what would be, you think, the primary reason if they if things go really well this season? Why is it why, – why did it happen? Jay, you start. Um, I'm running with Joe Burrow just just based on what the quarterback position is in the game of football. I mean, he is the most important piece to all of this. And if he has a a really good year, it, it may not matter what the defense and the offensive line do. I know that he's kind of tied to that offensive line, but he's so good out of the pocket and using his feet. He can make plays even if the O-line isn't giving him great protection. So I, I think he is the key to this whole thing of them hitting the over. Um, I, I I'm running with, or I'm passing the the defense just because it feels like if they make even a a moderate step that that can have a big because we we expect this offense to be really good with all the pieces around Joe Burrow even with the offensive line being a question mark. If that defense can go from being in the 30 range to the 20 range, that's going to make a huge difference, and that's that's going to give them a chance to win more games. I mean, as bad as the defense was last year, they were still in all those games. So you you just make a, a moderate improvement, and, and all of a sudden some of those one-score games flip the other way, and and you're right there on the edge of the, of the five-and-a-half number. Um, I'm booting the offensive line just because I don't even know if them – becoming great as an option. They, they just, I don't think they're built for it. I don't, I don't see them. I, I think they can hit the over without a great performance from the offensive line. I don't, I don't even know if a great performance is in the cards from that group. If it happens, then sure. Yeah, it could, it could be a, a really special year, but I, I just don't see that happening and being the reason why they would get over five and a half wins. Had the exact same order, uh, Burrow, because of the importance of the position and because what having a great quarterback can do for for, for your entire team. Um, if he progresses at at the rate that we hope, or if he hits the ground running. I mean, we keep talking about these first couple of games like, boy, he's really going to struggle and they're not going to be able to block Joey Bosa and, and Miles Garrett and uh, Melvin Ingram. Maybe, but maybe the dude's capable of, of doing something that we don't expect. You know, maybe he just uh, somehow, some way with uh, a healthy-ish group of weapons torches both of those teams and 
you know, after two weeks, we're talking about how Joe Burrow is even better than we thought. But if this team hits the over, if they have six wins, it's hard for me to believe that Joe Burrow is going to have a bad rookie season. Uh, so I'm running with that. I'll pass on the defense. I, I, it's, it's hard to be any worse. They did spend a lot of money. The personnel uh, has changed largely. They're going to improve. Are they going to be good? Are they going to be a top half of the league defense? Probably not. They're going to be better. I just don't know that they're going to be good. And early in the season, I, I worry about them tackling. They didn't practice tackling. Um, tackling early in the season in the NFL is always a problem. So how problematic is it for a team that last year was bad tackling? Granted, the personnel has changed. This year didn't practice tackling when in the early season tackling is always bad, and we didn't have preseason games. So I worry about that a little bit. And um, I'm booting on the offensive line for the, you know, the same reason that, that Jay basically outlined, which is I, I, I just don't think this unit's going to be that good. And certainly their success is tied to the amount of success that Joe Burrow is going to have. But Joe Burrow at least have, has at his disposal a pretty enviable group of, of weapons. Um, the offensive line, best case, is there any scenario where by the end of the year we're not wanting the Bengals to upgrade, to make upgrades on the offensive line? No. We're going to want them to go get a right tackle. Probably going to want them to go get a, a right guard. And, and maybe we want them to go get somebody else at, at, on the line. I just the, the ceiling for that group is so low that uh, I'll, I'll boot it. Here's why I have – here's why I'm running with the offensive line. It is because it's partially on the flip side of this question of how do they end up on the under, and that is because of the offensive line. Like I think everything else is in place offensively and defensively, and a little bit for them. I mean, they the guys they added are guys that have some proven track records um, between Reader and Bell, and and once Waynes comes back and Alexander. I, mean, I think we kind of know a little bit that they should be better there. To me, the way it falls apart is if the offensive line is a disaster, and that is in play. So to me, on kind of you know going through weirdo logic here, is that if they're okay and they're not a disaster, they're going to hit the over. And I believe it because I, I just I, as much as I think Burrow is going to be good, I, and I don't know that there's much debate. I don't know that he's going to be this year able to you know carry a team over a bad offensive line. I think the offensive line being average is a big reason why they will be able to get where they need to get. And I don't know if they can get there if the line, the questions on the line end up being, you know, the answers you don't want to hear. Um, so for that reason, I have it at the top because I do think offensive lines average, they will win a bunch of games. I just think that I think there's too much going, assuming health, obviously, there's too much good going on in other positions there uh, to see any other way, and so I pass on Burrow because I think he's just going to be. I think he's going to be solid. I think he's going to be very good. Um, yeah, I have all his numbers, my prediction for his numbers up, and they would put him as one of the best rookie seasons we've seen in the last ten years. And, and it's the type of a season, if that's the case, that usually quarterbacks win a bunch of games. And so I, I think we'll we'll probably see that. And I'll boot the defense just because. You know, obviously the defense needs to be good and needs to improve, but I just I think we kind of know. I feel like I have a decent feeling for what they are, and I don't think that they can be great, and I don't think they can be good enough to carry this team per se. Um, I think they can be very good, um, but the linebackers are to me are just too big of an issue. Um, we'll go out with uh, 
if things go wrong, why do they go wrong? Coach, quarterback growing pains or health? Run past or boot? Uh, I'm running with health. I just think that's the the one thing that could really derail things if something were to happen to Burrow or if the receivers have a, a rash of injuries or Joe Mixon. Any of those pieces on offense go down and it, it, the season could go south in a hurry. Um, a passing on growing pains for for Gert Burrow just because it doesn't it doesn't feel like even if he has growing pains, it's it's going to be a bad year. Like if he has growing pains, it's not going to look like Sam Darnold's rookie year. It's probably going to look like Baker Mayfield's rookie year where he threw a lot of interceptions, but he also threw a lot of touchdowns, set the rookie touchdown record. Um, I just think he's, he's in position to, to have, even with struggles and growing pains, he's in position to have a, a pretty solid rookie quarterback year. Um, I, I'm going to boot coach just because I don't know that he has that much of an impact on, on wins and losses, what he does in game. Um, last year, he, I wouldn't say he was one of the top reasons for two and 14. And you have to figure he's, he's going to be better. He's going to make better decisions in the red zone. He's, he's got better command of the, the, the group, the locker room as a whole. He's got his culture in place. Uh, I don't think Zach Taylor is going to be the problem if, if things go south this year. Um, the, the number one reason would be health, which is I'm running with pass on growing pains and, and boot Zach Taylor. Again, uh, exact same order. I went with health <clears throat> uh, for a couple of different reasons. Number one, when we talk about health, we, I know nobody wants to do this. We, we have to add another dimension of health, which is COVID. I mean, there's all the different ways a player can miss a game, and now there's another one. And it could be completely unforeseen, and it can happen after a guy's had a great week of practice, and he's totally healthy, and then, you know, positive test, he can't play. And that can happen to anybody. That's independent of what position you play. So, and plus, I, we've, we've just seen what happens to the Bengals when they don't have A.J. Green. We've seen what happens to this team when it's missing key components. I don't think their depth is to the point that they could overcome that. And then the Burrow factor. Look, if, if Joe Burrow has to miss games for whatever reason and Ryan Finley has to play, I expect them to lose those games. Um, so health is, is reason number one. Uh, growing pains, I, I sort of feel like the growing pains are built in. That's why the number's five and a half. Um, he's going to have them. We, we know that. If, if he... If he does not, he's going to do something that is is largely unprecedented in the history of the NFL, where a rookie quarterback comes in and he's great instantly. That that really doesn't happen. Um, Patrick Mahomes was not a rookie two years ago, so if anybody wants to throw that in my face, he did sit and watch Alex Smith for a year. Um, I, I just I feel like the growing pains it, it's inherent. He's going to struggle. He's going to have moments where you roll your eyes or 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 where you know the, it, it costs the team a game or or maybe you know there's. It, it it creates a moment in a game that couldn't happen at, at the worst time. The, the coaching thing, I don't know. <laughs> Again, Zach Taylor may be every bit as smart as people claim. He may be totally in over his head. He may be completely equipped to handle, um, you know, helping to groom a new quarterback and, and balancing all the, the different ways that football in 2020 has changed and, the expectations and, and having to, to cash in on the investments that the, the front office made. I, I, I don't know. Um, I, I, I don't know, but I think that the health of this team 
if if a couple of weeks into the season we're dealing with massive carnage in one position group or, Bur- or Burrow gets hurt or AJ has to miss an extended amount of time, then I think that the wheels fall off for this for this team at least in terms of its ability to to come close to to six wins. So I'll go run health pass uh, quarterback growing pains and I'll I'll boot uh, I'll boot Zach Taylor. I have pretty much the same order, uh, but there's one thing that I will say. That order is not how pe- who people will blame if things go wrong. I can tell you that much. I mean, if things go wrong, we know who fans will blame. Uh, they'll blame the coach because they always blame the coach. And, and that's, you know, you, you're now outside of, you know, Burrow getting hurt. Uh, or and maybe throw AJ in there. I think people, if anything other than that happens, I think they'll you know they'll say that the coach needs to find a way uh, to win. Despite of that, I go back to Mike Zimmer when he was the defensive coordinator here in 2013. He lost Geno Atkins midseason and a, a couple other guys, and people oh they're doomed, right? And and but the you know it's the good coaches they find a way to get past that and get put other guys in and have them step up, and that's kind of you know. I think what you're looking for from a, from a head coach is being able to find a way to overcome that stuff. And I think that's what people will hold over his head a little bit. I also think there's a good chance that he's a big reason why they win a lot of games. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it, it's kind of a double-edged sword in that, in that case, but uh, yeah, inevitably I think they're better built to withstand injury this year, certainly than last year. This is not the house of cards that it was last year. But the AJ factor is really the key in this. Like, I think they have backup at most positions. They just don't have receiver 1A yet as a backup um, or even somebody of that level. And, and that's the th- that's so much hinges on him. It's it's really interesting that because I just, you know, you can if, if he plays the whole year, you can really see things going very well but if he doesn't you can see it looking a a lot like last year at times and complaining about the lack of having you know explosion in the passing game and this that and the other and well it took a while for t higgins to develop and this uh, there's just you know there's a lot riding on aj green's health and and that is that it should make everyone uneasy is why i have health um at the top Mo, did you give me an official? Do you have your official number, your official prediction out yet? Are you? Uh, have you? Have you figured it out? Official? What? No. What is your record prediction? I think they're going to go six and ten, and I hate that because it's a cop out. Because everybody's going to say that. Yeah. Everybody's going to so. Yeah, I think they're going to go six and ten. When the Bengals are going to be good, I pick them to go ten and six, and when the Bengals aren't going to be good, I pick them to go six and ten. So, <laughs> I think they're about a six-win team. I think Vegas has it pegged. Um, you know, I, 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 I think, I think I'll walk away from the season pretty happy with that. Yeah, I would agree. I, I, I yeah, was, I almost predicted a tie for this year. <laughs> I, I did I'm that one year because I, I wanted Marvin Lewis to break the record uh, because he currently <laughs> holds it. I think with Bard Star for most ties in the modern era since we have went to overtime. And I predicted one year. I'm like, ah, oh, they're gonna go. I think I went six, nine, and one. Because I'm yeah. like, you know what, Marvin, if there's a coach you can bet on to have a tie, it's Marvin. And people got mad at me. <laughs> like, oh, how can you pick a tie? I'm like, well, how could I not? What, what, the one game, well, which game are they going to tie? That's where they stumped me because I didn't know. But yeah, I- <laughs> one of them. But look, it was, they had one in 08, in 14, and in 16. They feel due. 
Yeah. If you'll do for a tie. And this right. and I was I was just I was in between six and seven wins and I couldn't decide. And I thought, you know what I could do? I could just split the middle. I could just totally pick the tie, go six, nine, and one. I I, I opted not to, but I was very close to doing it. I went with the encouraging seven and nine because it just I do feel like at the end of the year, I think they will get a couple of those big wins that we were talking about earlier and 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 have that encouraging season. It, I do feel like they have that in them. But still, God, predicting a tie and then it happening would be the ultimate vindication. If they do tie, I hope it's Washington because that would probably be the first time in NFL history teams had tied in back-to-back meetings. <laughs> it's all they do. It's all they do. Uh, all right, Mo, thank you so much for uh, – Hopping in and, and, you know. I think I, I wrote a piece for the radio station blog and what was going to be, we thought, Marvin's last game against Pittsburgh. And I, I think I wrote, like, oh, it's going to be 17-17. They're going to give him a Gatorade bath after he sets the new record for most highs in his last game. <laughs> and if you remember, that game was pretty close. And for a while, I thought, man, this could actually happen. What better way would there for, – for a coach whose legacy is so uneven – Let's. What better way to walk out than to have his last game end on like a missed field goal at the end of overtime where they have a chance to win and they don't, and it's a tie against the Steelers. And unfortunately, it didn't happen. I think. How would you celebrate? Like, if if winning something is like you do the big Gatorade bath and the giant jug that you pour on somebody, what do you do celebrating a tie? Is it just like one little bottle of water that you just kind of pour on their pants or something like that? I mean, what? I feel like it needs to be something that kind of just makes you uncomfortable and and not like an actual celebration. I think that's what it is. I think it's one bottle of you guys. Dasani you guys should have asked Marvin Lewis leading up to one of those last games. There were hey, a lot what? of press conferences where I needed a question like that. What are you uh, going to do if you break the record for most times? Is that a point of pride for you? <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, Mo, appreciate you coming on. Uh, it was it was a, a blast. I look forward to uh, us talking for an an hour tomorrow again. And I'm excited. We'll probably cover a lot of the same and, ground. I'm and Jay, guess. we're going to call you on Thursdays again, so be ready. Okay, that sounds good. Looking right. forward to that. All right, thanks, everybody. I appreciate everybody listening to hear that podcast ground. And, uh, hey, Paul. We'll, we'll, yes. Uh, I didn't mean to interrupt. I'm sorry. Uh, but before we get out of here, I just want to congratulate you and Jay on 100 excellent episodes wow. of Hear That Podcast Ground. Wow. Oh. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Is this, of, this is out of, out of how many? That's left to be seen. <laughs> yeah. We we tried to do 108 and we did 100, so that's that's a good winning percentage. And hey, and and we got a good sound. That kind that sound kind of felt like a water bottle on the pants a little bit. That was kind of nice. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. And we'll be back for 101 on Thursday on the Growler. So we'll be previewing the Chargers game and uh, a little taking a deeper look at that. So looking forward to it. Thanks everybody. Hope everybody that's listening to all 100, the four of you. That did that you're awesome thank you so much we uh i look forward to hopefully listening to us for the next hundred so thanks for everyone we'll talk to you next time we do this podcast round.